0: life has been my guide and Today we're
1: gonna to be in
0: Mark
1: chapter 9 if you want to get your Bibles ready. Mark chapter 9, we're gonna start a new chapter. Um, this is an amazing, powerful chapter. We're gonna see The teaching about the transfiguration of Jesus Christ, the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus transfigures in front of his disciples. It's an amazing thing. It's a powerful thing. Before we do that, let's review just a little bit. Something I told you last week is about the middle of uh, chapter 8 in Mark, Jesus transitioned his teaching to not be so much about the crowds and the groups, but more so about his 12, about his 12 disciples, because he's preparing them and getting them ready for his departure. And we're going to see a lot of that uh, up until the time of the crucifixion and even after, even after his resurrection. So keep that in mind as we study through. But last week I looked at um, Mark chapter 8. and We talked about how in the middle of the chapter we saw this place where Jesus took his people, his 12, up to Caesarea Philippi. And I told you that place in itself is a is a perfect picture of sin. because it's beautiful on the outside. There's these 70-some springs, the headwaters of the Jordan River. It's lush, it's green, right at the base of Mount Hermon. It's one of the most beautiful parts of Israel, and yet we know in Jesus' day, it was so beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, it stinketh. (laughs) Fourteen pagan temples, one of them to Baal, one of them to the Temple of Pan. And I talked about how the Temple of Pan, there's a cave where the temple is built into, and that cave, it was called the Gates of Hell. And last week we saw Jesus' teaching about that as he's standing with his disciples in that area teaching and he told them that the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. Isn't that a beautiful promise? The gates of hell will not prevail against his church, meaning he, his church, his church, Jesus' church, not our church, his church will not fail, will not falter. The enemy will not be able to destroy her. But just as a reminder, I want you to know this isn't contradicting what we see in Revelation, Because in Revelation chapter 13, we see a passage that tells us the Antichrist during the tribulation will actually have the power to destroy the saints, to overcome them. So is Jesus contradicting himself? No. For those who don't know, and if you're new here, welcome. Okay. Hopefully I don't scare you off too quickly. But here's the thing. You know, I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. And most of the people in this church do. And I don't want that to be a shocker to you or a surprise. And we hold to it. Now, if you have a different view on the rapture, it's okay. All right? We can discuss those things. Um, we're not going to throw you out. I just want you to know, you're probably, if you're not a pre-trib person, if you don't believe in the rapture comes before the tribulation, you probably are going to find that most of us here do believe that. Okay? We still love you. Even if you're wrong, you can be wrong. And it's okay. And we still love you. But we're just, you know... We're fully convinced, most of us anyway. But again, we can debate those things. We can talk about those things. I have no problem with that. But here's one of those things I believe is a passage that relates to the fact that we will not go through the tribulation, that we are not appointed unto God's wrath. Revelation 13, 7 through 8 says this, it was granted to him, speaking of the Antichrist, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation, all who dwell on the earth, will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So what it says here is it was given him the ability to overcome the saints during the tribulation. And this is key to understand this because Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. And yet Satan is going to be through the, the person of Antichrist going to be able to overcome the saints during the tribulation. But that's because the saints of the tribulation are mostly Jewish. We know this. We know that once the church is removed, the tribulation begins. The church, we will face God's, or, I mean, uh, Satan's wrath. We will face man's wrath, but we'll never face God's wrath. We're not appointed under wrath. And we know the tribulation, though, is a time when God will pour out his wrath on a world that rejected his son. And also, it's the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob is Israel. It's a time when God, for seven years, the 70th week of Daniel, will deal with Israel corporately. And we know those saints, that language reverts back to Old Testament language we know that mostly those saints are jewish believers who come to christ during the tribulation gentiles as well but mostly jewish and they are different than the church so i just wanted to throw that out there i think it's always good to remind ourselves of our blessed hope because our lord will be here any day for us and we want to finish well but here's the thing jesus is not contradicting himself because we know that his bride is us the church will be taken will be taken up to that place he's preparing for us that bride chamber that bridal chamber to spend a glorious seven-year honeymoon with our king and remember the rapture is when he comes for his church where we meet him in the clouds and the second coming is when he returns with his church and we get to experience both of those if you're a believer and so i know i'm getting off track already <laughs> bear with me maybe this ipad's not a good thing anyway um so last week, though, I shared with you a verse, and it's going to be pertinent for today as well. But I told you how Jesus, he gave his disciples this, this teaching about how they would have to pick up their cross and follow him. And it's amazing, because although it foreshadows the cross of Jesus Christ, the first mention of the cross by Jesus is not about his own crucifixion. It's about yours and mine. And that's important when all these teachers on the TV and radio tell you that you can have your best life now and everything's going to be peachy and perfect and you can just name it and claim it and you can just accept, you know, you can just, you know, be rich and healthy all the time. That's not what the Bible promised us as believers. Our best life is yet to come and it's going to be really good. So I just want to remind you of that. But this is what Jesus said after that teaching in Mark eight thirty eight. He said, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the son of man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. And I told you, look, do not be ashamed of Jesus. And you say, well, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Do you share your faith? Is he on your lips wherever you go? What is your main topic of conversation? What are the things you talk about? What are the things you spend your time and resources on? That will tell you. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You know, where are you spending your time and effort? Don't be ashamed of your Lord. You know, he... He is coming to get us, and He is our blessed hope. And here's the thing, you know, He bled out for you and me. He gave it all. Give it all to Him. And so with that, that's a little long introduction, but with that, Mark chapter 9, I'm going to read the first 13 verses. That's our entire passage today, what what we're going to be looking at, the Mount of Transfiguration and some incredible lessons that go along with it. Mark 9, starting at verse 1, And He said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death, Till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Now after six days Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining exceedingly white like snow, such as no longer on earth could whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. And a cloud came and overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him. Verse 8. Suddenly, when they had looked around, they saw no one any more, but only Jesus with themselves. Now, as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should not tell. No one, the things they had seen till the son of man had risen from the dead. So they kept this word to themselves, questioning what the rising of the dead meant. And they asked him saying, what do the scribes say that indeed Elijah must come first? Then he answered and told them, indeed, Elijah is coming and restores all things. And how it is written concerning the son of man that he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt. But I say to you that Elijah has also come and they did to him whatever they wished as it is written of him. Let's pray. Father God, this is your word. And God, we right now invite you into our hearts, into our minds through the power of your word and your Holy Spirit. We know your word divides, and God, we ask it to divide between our flesh and your spirit. Help us to be changed from the inside out. Help us to be those who worship you in spirit and truth. Help us hold your word. Help us never deny your name. Lord, we praise you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen we see this familiar group I love this too because I think all of us can identify with Peter James and John you know this this inner circle they seem to be Jesus's inner circle and there's a couple schools of thought on this Um, one is that Peter James and John were certainly important to the early church Peter was certainly the leader of the early church not only that we're studying the gospel of mark which we know is really Peter's account Peter's gospel essentially written down by mark and so that's pretty profound. James was the leader of the Jerusalem church. He was very uh, um, important in the early days of the church. John, the beloved, well, we know, you know, he's the disciple Jesus loved. But secondly, um, remember, he's the only one that didn't abandon Jesus at the cross. And that's a beautiful thing. The only disciple. And he's the only disciple not to be martyred, although they tried. I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but I also know Jesus said, Son, behold your mother. You know, he put his mother into the care of John, and vice versa. And not only that, but John would go on to pin the revelation of Jesus Christ. So I think John was important too. So Peter, James, and John, certainly they were important. But another theory on this, <laughs> and I think I kind of hold to both theories, is they were also kind of the knuckleheads. And that's my term, that's not a biblical term. I don't think there's one in the Greek for that. But, you know, um, can you relate? You know, because think about it. Peter, last week we see, you know, in one breath he's being commended by Jesus and the next breath he's being, <laughs> being called the devil. Get behind these, Satan. You know, Peter's often messing up. And James and John, these brothers, remember this. They're walking through a Samaritan village and these people rejected Jesus. And so they're like, hey, Jesus, you want us to call down fire from heaven and burn them all up? <laughs> and he's like, you guys don't know the spirit you're of.
0: Love. This has been Hold Fast a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again, or any other in their entirety, please visit golgothafellowship.org. Our fellowship meets in Southeast Nampa, and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you.
1: Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off... Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, GolgothaFellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A-Fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you and remember to hold fast.